Hello and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I want my mommy. This is episode 86, and if you couldn't guess, it's the Mother's Day episode, and we are talking all about the best and worst mothers in anime. Um, as always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned. I was kind of thinking we could try to leave it at light spoilers, but I don't know how we're going to keep it light for most of these. So yeah, we're just going to be honest. It's probably going to be pretty spoiler heavy. If you come across an anime that you haven't watched yet that we're about to talk about, maybe skip ahead a couple of seconds. Yeah, I'll do my best to kind of keep it high level, but I think for some of these characters, it's just going to be difficult. It is. I honestly, I think with my list, I might even spoil a couple of story plot lines, story plot lines, storylines for you from anime oh, that you haven't yet watched. I think they're on your watch list. I'm going to do my best. Um, honestly, I'll probably forget about them like after we record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once I edit, I'll remember. And then after that, it'll just go over my head. <laughs> hey, it'll be um, good motivation for you to watch some of these anime that um, I think have been lingering on your watch list for a little bit, but I'll try my best. I'll, I'll do what I can with the with the knowledge I have been given. But before we get into the discussion, um, panel update. We've talked about it a couple of times, and we are nearing the the home stretch. We're in the home stretch. By the time this episode goes up, we will be like a week and a half out from Anime Central 2022, which happens here in Chicago. For anyone who's not familiar, that is our home anime convention. It's returning this year, and to make things even more special, we are hosting a panel. It'll be Waifu Wars, the tournament arc. And uh, yeah, as, as the name suggests, we're going to pit a bunch of waifus against each other in a tournament bracket, in a tournament arc. <laughs> it makes you think that we're going to have them physically fight each other. <laughs> like we should, if we find the cosplayers for our our chosen waifus in the convention, bring them over, and then have them go mano mano. mano. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> it's not about, you know, how good they are to the uh, protagonist. It's not about what they offer to the story. It's about how well they can physically beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just make it clear. I'm just joking. This is not our panel. We're having a lively debate and discussion about these waifus. Yes. Yeah, so we'll be, and by pitting against each other, we mean we'll be putting, you know, certain popular waifus from the anime fandom up against each other. Um, we're going to be arguing for or against these waifus. And at the end of the day, the audience is going to be voting for who makes it to the next round and ultimately is crowned the best waifu of all the waifus. We got to come up with like a uh, a title for the winning waifu. The the woat, the waifu of all time. The woat. Yeah, that's a good one. Maybe we'll go with that. But if you're attending Anime Central, um, whether you live in the Chicagoland area or you're coming out for the convention, um, our panel will be taking place. And this is as of recent um, updates. Breaking news. <laughs> our panel will be taking place on Friday, May 20th at 8 p.m. Um, I do highly recommend that you check the guidebook for ASEN. Uh, also follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series and join our Discord because we're going to be providing live updates there as well. Fingers crossed nothing changes, that everything is still set to go for Friday evening of the convention. But if anything does change, please you know check those places so that you can know exactly when and where our panel is taking place but i think the best resource is when you get to the convention check the guidebook confirm you know when and where our panel is going to be and we hope to see you there 
Yeah, I know that there have been a couple of users on our Discord who have mentioned that they are planning to attend. So we yeah. are very excited to see all of you in person and yeah, everyone else who's listening. I know there there might be a couple lurkers out there who don't want to make their presence lurkers. known, but <laughs> If you do come to our panel, just feel free to stop by afterwards and say hi. Yeah, 100%. If you are listening to this and you come out to the panel, please grab us after the panel. Uh, I think we're before we're going to be in the throes of preparing everything, but we'll stick around wherever our panel is going to be at. Um, and if anyone wants to come up to us, say hi, chat with us. We'd love to meet you guys. It would be a lot of fun. In other anime type of news, I wanted to talk about Japanese voice actors about seiyus before we dive into, you know, the the discussion around mothers in anime. Okay. <laughs> You're looking at me like, what? This I, wasn't on the schedule. <laughs> I, I just wanted to talk about it because I've been going down this YouTube rabbit hole recently of uh, video clips that show Japanese voice actors doing weird things. Um, and by weird, I just mean like goofy Japanese TV show type of antics, the type of stuff that if anyone's familiar with Japanese TV shows, the type of shit that they do there, a lot of pranks and whatnot. And I I was listening to an episode of Trash Taste where they were talking, I think they were interviewing a Japanese voice actress and they were talking about the, the whole community or I don't know what you call it, like the the industry with with seiyus voice actors and how it's almost as intense as the idol culture in japan and that that's pretty fucking intense from what i can what, what i've gathered and it is interesting because i feel like there's there's english voice actors out there that you know i really like and i really respect but for some reason when it comes to japanese voice actors i get really excited when I watch a new anime and I hear or recognize a voice actor's voice. And I just like immediately connect with that voice actor and with that character even more because they have a certain voice actor associated with them. Do you ever get that? Like, do I fangirl over hearing these voices? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you do for some voice actors. Yeah, I feel like the only one that really that that gets me excited is Kenjiro Suda the guy with the really low raspy voice. You love that and, voice, don't you? <laughs> and to an extent, Daisuke Ono, although I haven't really heard his voice as often as Kenjiro Suda's. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've seen my share of like those YouTube videos where you have these voice actors that are going crazy. The one I think of the most is Mamoru Miyano. Oh my God, the uh, guy is crazy. <laughs> he's absolutely insane. But yeah, there are videos where he, there's one where he's like, seductively talking to like the other hosts on the show <laughs> and you can hear the audience just gushing over him his asmr videos were oh, so yeah. funny <laughs> he's eating the <laughs> pineapple and he's on the phone with somebody yeah. <laughs> or that one video i showed you recently where he was fishing and he was screaming right. every time the fish was flopping around Oh my god, that was so funny. Uh, Mamoru Miyano is the voice actor for, I think, most well-known maybe here in um, in the West for Light Yagami from Death Note. As well as Krolo from Hunter x Hunter. Yes, and a lot of other big uh, big uh, characters as well, but the guy is nuts. He's like super tall and just really, not intimidating, but just has this presence. And if you ever have you know a second to look him up on YouTube, just find some clips of his, or I think he's got a YouTube channel as well. It's just so funny watching the guy. He's He's got, he's like one of those like little kids that ate too much candy and now they're on a sugar high. That's what yeah. he's like 24 <laughs> seven. That's the best way that I can describe him. 
But another voice actor that um, I think has become a recent, not like a super recent, but more of a recent favorite of mine that I think has also become my number one voice actor is Yuichiro Umehara because his voice is like fucking amazing. I love listening to him in pretty much any role that he's ever done. Um, I think one recent notable role that he's done is uh, Weather Report from Jojo Part 6. He was also Kureno Soma from Fruits Basket, um, Sniper Mask from High Rise Invasion, if anyone watched that. I think it was the first time I've heard his voice, or at least like recognized it. Yeah, and for me, the first time I ever you know, heard his voice in, a, in an anime role was uh, him as Courier from Akudama Drive. But there's something about his voice that is just really nice to listen to. And then I think I've my affection for him has grown even stronger because I have been watching YouTube clips of him on different like TV shows or, you know, on one of those panels that they do where they are promoting a new anime and they bring the the panel or all of the big voice actors out and I don't know, ask them questions or make them go through goofy scenarios. And he just seems like a really funny dude. And so I, I really enjoy, you know, watching him and listening to his performances. Another voice actor that I also really like that has been a longtime favorite of mine is Tomokazu Sugita, who's most notable for Gintoki from Gintama, as well as Joseph Joestar from uh, Jojo Part 2. The guy's so funny. Apparently, I don't follow him on Twitter, but apparently his Twitter is just all memes. Like, he's that kind of guy. You can get that vibe from him whenever you watch an interview that he does um, or just see anything that he posts. Like, he just, he's a guy that doesn't give a shit, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, what is it about, like, Japanese voice actors that they're all, like, crazy? They are. Like, <laughs> and maybe they just need to be in that element for the roles that they play but like, even with like Mamoru Miyano you have a serious role like Light and he is completely opposite from Light's personality yeah we've I think I've also shown you video clips of the cast from My Hero Academia just being absolutely crazy like someone put together a bunch of compilation videos of the My Hero cast just being goofy for however many minutes those videos are and it's funny to just watch them interact because you I don't know how much of it is for show, but I like to think that these voice actors actually are friends in real life because they have a lot of roles in different anime together and they seem to all interact really well. So that's good. Yeah, they probably don't want any bad blood. <laughs> Someone that you'll potentially work with again in the future. But yeah, it's also just crazy how, like you said, people almost idolize these voice actors in Japan and... Not to say that the voice actors here in, in the States or in the West are not appreciated as much, but like it's almost like Hollywood level with these seiyu. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. They they pretty much are celebrities. Like we've got here, um, you know, in the U.S., like Troy Baker and Nolan North or Steve some... Steve Blum, of course. Yeah, of course, Steve Blum. But I've never seen like interviews with them i'm sure there are interviews out there but it's definitely not as prevalent as interviews and you know talk shows and skits and stuff with japanese voice actors like we said it's pretty much its own industry where they're on almost the same level as idols in japan it's it's pretty crazy one of the one one of the recent i don't know if it's recent or not but just for me it's recent um pairings that i've been getting into when it comes to Watching some of these videos is Mamoru Miyano, of course, and Yuki Kaji. <laughs> yeah, they were playing uh, Jenga. 
the one that we watched together. Yeah, they, they've been playing a bunch <laughs> of like games. And I don't know if it's Mamoru Miyano's channel or what it is. I think it was off of his channel. And so like he invites Yuki Kaji, who's most notable for um, Aaron Yeager from Attack on Titan. He invites him over and they play these games and he's interviewing like Yuki Kaji while they're trying to focus on playing these games. I think one of them had like, if you got something wrong, it like shocked you with electricity. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. So those are just so much fun to watch because I think it's it's interesting to see these professionals in an industry perform or just be in a situation that is very quirky and very unique and just watch them have fun together. You know what the the equivalent is here in the in the West? What? Theater kids. Theater kids. <laughs> oh my god, kinda, yeah. Right? Their personalities are like the theater kids. Some of them, yeah. Mamoru Miyano is probably the, the most theater kid of all of them. <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't had a chance to look up any Japanese voice actors doing their thing in different TV shows and interviews and whatnot, um, I highly recommend you start with Mamoru Miyano. He's hilarious, but it's it's a fun little rabbit hole to to dive into on YouTube if you enjoy the whole seiyu industry and and get as excited as i do whenever you recognize a voice actor in an anime that you haven't seen before or even let us know who your favorite seiyu are like uh, we've mentioned our favorites i'm curious to see what our listeners if they have any particular ones that they love hearing all the time yeah tell us because i i, I kind of it's similar to anime taste. I I kind of uh, gauge anime fans based on their their seiyu taste as well. <laughs> wow, you say your seiyu taste is shit. <laughs> hey, you know, mine's clearly a bunch of crazy people. If you look at uh, my list of favorite seiyus, a lot of them are are pretty goofy individuals. But that's what I love about them. They're they're fun people. So now let's move on to some other fun people, some other fun people, <laughs> specifically mothers in anime. Happy Mother's Day. I think this is coming out, what, the day after Mother's Day. So very, very timely. And well, I'm excited to talk about the best and worst mothers because I think this is a topic we've had on the docket for quite some time. And it just felt right to do it now because we've seen enough anime where we know what a good mom looks like in anime as well as what a bad mom looks like in anime. Well, first off, parents in anime, those exist. I know, right? When I was putting together <laughs> this list, I was going through like all the anime that I've watched and I'm like, none of these parents exist. Like the 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 ratio of existent parents to non-existent parents in anime is kind of scary because <laughs> I'd go through like a list and for most of them, I'd be thinking, I don't even know if they introduced the parents. I don't know if the parents, if they were introduced, if they even had speaking lines or what they look like. Like I have no fucking idea. Yeah, or like these protagonists, they 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 just are. Like they just exist. Yeah, like, they, they just, don't have parents. They just poofed or, into the world. <laughs> like, I know we've commented before on certain really wild anime like the situations that the characters get into you wonder why the parents aren't there to discipline them and it's because they're non-existent yeah. <laughs> i guess so I, I feel like it's either they don't acknowledge the parents at all it's one of three things they don't acknowledge the parents or they say that the parents aren't home because they're working all the time and therefore the the anime protagonist lives alone or the parents are dead or the parents are just are, are hands off yeah, yeah, I guess four, yeah. <laughs> but here we have some mothers who, first of all, do exist in their respective shows. And second of all, I think have played enough of a role where they land on one of two of these lists, the best or the worst. 
Yeah, the the list that I came up with, uh, I feel like most of these characters are relegated to the background, but nonetheless, I think mothers in anime, they still provide the right amount of care and support to their protagonist children or maybe antagonist children oh. <laughs> as much as their real-life counterparts. And then there are certain mothers in anime you wish you could talk less about. So. <laughs> well, let's start with the best mothers in anime. Uh, as always, we've, we've put together a list completely separately. I don't know what's on your list. You don't know what's on my list. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of crossover, but let's talk to them. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, you can go first. Okay. You're so polite. <laughs> Every time you, you let me go first. Um, well, I have a, a secondary question to that. Do you just want to talk about the Jojo moms right off the bat? Sure. I only have one listed. Okay. I put all of them on here because wow. I we don't have to talk about all of them, but I feel like I want to acknowledge all of the moms in Jojo. So we're going to go ahead and talk about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. It's one of our favorite anime. Let's just, let's just get this out of the way. Um, we'll go through every single mother and then talk about... Talk about the ones that are worth talking about. So first off, in part one, Jonathan's mom. R.I.P. She died in a carriage accident. But I'm sure she was a good mom. You know, I'm sure she cared. Oh, I was like, she didn't even have a name. <laughs> I know. Right? All we know is she died in that carriage accident in the see very her, first episode. Yeah, did we see her body in that carriage? I, I, we might have. I can't remember. <laughs> but anyway, Jonathan's mom, at least we've acknowledged her. The next mom is Erina Pendleton from part two. Or Erina Joestar. Yes, by the married. time. Yeah, yeah. She was the only one I had on my list. Okay, so tell us a little bit about Erina. Why, why is she on the best list? I think she is the the matriarch of the Joestar family without fault, without blame, compared to many of the other motherly figures in JoJo. And I think that's kind of synonymous with like Jonathan also being the patriarch and him also being like the most noble of out of out of all the JoJo protagonists. Because they all kind of, I, I said this line before, they descend into degeneracy. <laughs> Less so on like the mother's side. But like Erina, like Jonathan, I think she is the purest of heart. Like there's really nothing terrible you can say about her. And when she comes around in part two, she continues to have that motherly nature as she serves to be the grandmother to, to Joseph. And you have to admire her for the shit that she has to put up with how her family has has evolved <laughs> and that's you bring up a good point this is a question i wanted to ask you when you put her under the best moms list did you do that based on her as a mother to george jr or did, did you do that based on her as a grandmother and i guess sort of a surrogate mother to joseph a combination of both i think it was more so to joseph because that's the most we've seen her as an example of a motherly figure like we only taught or we only saw George was it George George the George second junior yeah yeah like he was only mentioned in the story for a hot second I don't think he's he's even got any speaking lines I think he's the only show star that doesn't have any <laughs> yeah but it's clear that <laughs> she still cares about her grandson and I I was just thinking on a higher level again of all the stuff like not just with how Joseph has turned out but the entire story with Jonathan, like how much she had to endure, and she's still this this maiden of pure heart and mind. Uh, and that kind of translating over to how much she cares, for, not just for Joseph, but also for Speedwagon, and to an extent Smokey once he 
um, enters the Joe Star's lives. I also have to say, Edina made it on my best list because of her willingness to adopt Lisa Lisa. If you remember at the end of part one, uh, again, obviously this is all spoilers, but major mm. spoiler for, for part one. Um, not only is she, does she know, well, I don't think she knows that she's pregnant, does she at that point? Mm. Or does she? Because I think, doesn't Jonathan say something to the effect of like, take that baby with you? Because it's going to, you know, it's lost its mother, similar to like how we have our baby. I don't know. Something, basically, she took on another baby when she was pregnant with her actual baby and didn't allow Lisa Lisa to perish on the boat that day. And speaking of Lisa Lisa, got to call her out as well. Lisa Lisa from part two. I think Mm. a really great mom. Some people can argue she was a very absent mother, but I think that was something that she didn't want to be. I, I, I think she, she knows what she did she avenged her her husband and in order to protect her son from any repercussions of that she had to leave him so that i'm guessing they wouldn't be able to trace her back to to him so i think it was very difficult for her to do what she did and i also think it was equally difficult for her to go through the journey that she goes through with joseph when they reunite and not tell him who she actually is just to keep him focused on the goal at hand like she had to endure a lot um and i'm glad that at the end you know, she had a, a happier ending. Yeah, I'm noticing a, a trend in like in JoJo, particularly with absent parenting. But there's there's always a good reason for it, and also like with uh, Evina and now Lisa Lisa, noticing this trend of these female characters having to endure such difficult things in their lives with Evina. The, just the whole drama of the Joestar family and Lisa Lisa having to not acknowledge that her son is training with her uh, just to protect him. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a different kind of kind of motherly quality with Lisa Lisa. Not just that she's also a very badass character in terms of just fighting. She's a great character. One of my favorites from JoJo. One of my favorite female characters. And then we move on to part three. Holly Cujo, or Holy, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Uh, I think Holly is a controversial mother because I, I think wholeheartedly she's a caring, loving mother, but almost to a fault where Jotaro ends up how he ends up at the beginning of part three, which is a complete asshole. <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> I, I don't know if that's just a testament to her, her parenting skills not being as great as they should be because your son's an asshole but she still loves him unconditionally so there's still <laughs> there's still that great mother in her in that term she believes in him no matter mm-hmm. what <laughs> and then we have Susie q from part three who i had to call out obviously because she's a mother but mostly because she flew all the way from japan to help her daughter during the latter half of part three despite joseph you know understandably wanting to keep Susie Q out of the fray. That way she doesn't have to worry and, and you know, uh, be confused about what's going on because she's not a stand user. She's She only knows what Joseph has told her, I'm sure, um, and what Lisa Lisa has told her. So I think, but but ultimately, you know, she, she knows what's going on. She's not stupid, and she makes a decision to go be by her daughter's side um, so that she can support in any way that she can, which is which makes total sense. Why wouldn't you want to fly out to your daughter who's you know fallen gravely ill and the shit she has to put up with joseph yeah <laughs> for what he does in part four. Oh yeah <laughs> prior to part four 
And speaking of part four, the next mother we have is Tomoko Higashikata, (laughs) mother to Josuke, (laughs) who um, is a a Joestar mother because of of what happened with, you know, Joseph. And I I think despite all of that, she is still a very good mother to Josuke. I think she's doing what she can, raising him essentially by herself, although she has her father um, who also helps raise Josuke. But yeah, I think I think Tomoko takes more of a backseat than a lot of the other mothers in JoJo. She's probably more on the level of like Susie Q where you know she's there um, and mm-hmm. she plays a, a part in certain aspects of the story. But I, she's maybe less of a driving force for Josuke than other aspects of his life, but she's still an important part of his life. Yeah, obviously Josuke wouldn't be there if it were not for her care. Um, that's all I can really say about her. <laughs> part four, is, I don't remember much from part four of JoJo. She is a great mother because she rushed Josuke to the hospital when he that's fell true. ill, when his yeah. stand started to manifest. And it was in the, in the middle of a blizzard. So nothing was going to stop her from saving her son. That That's a very important thing to note. Also, I forget, didn't she get punched by Josuke or was it Jotaro at some point? She got punched by a Josuke, but then he used Crazy Diamond. He he punched her because he <laughs> needed to get the water out of her, you know, yeah. <laughs> the water. Um. So, yes, technically she's been punched, but so she, she doesn't to, remember it. She also has to endure, to endure with some shit. <laughs> well, moving on to part five, we have best mom, Bruno Bucerti. Yeah, that was my <laughs> honorable mention <laughs> for mothers. He is a great mom in his own right. He is. the... The, the squad together i mean memes aside he is a great motherly figure to um what is his group called not passione is that, is that the, the full group's called passione i thought it was like, bucci gang is that what we call yeah, it? we bucci call gang? it yeah we call it bucci gang i think it's la squadra i thought la squadra was the oh wait bad no guys. yeah never mind it's not the it's not la squadra we'll go with bucci gang most commonly known as bucci gang um he brings together several characters who have lost their way in life, several characters who are very young when he first meets them and need that guiding light. Um, they need a roof over their heads. They need some sort of foundational upbringing. And that's what Bruno is to many of the characters from Bucci Gang. So I, I think he deserves a spot under the best moms list. It's bodyguards, bodyguard squad. What? what <laughs> I don't to, remember that at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember either. Or, or Team Bucciarati. You can just call them that. And then finally, we have Jolene's mom from part six. We are only in the first 12 episodes of part six, so we're we're just going to talk about what's happened in the anime. But we do know that Jolene's mom has gone through a lot of shit, both with Jolene and her rebellious phase, as well as with Jotaro being pretty much an absent father. Um, So there may be more to see there. But as of right now, I would say Jolene's mom is a very good mother just because she cares so deeply for Jolene to the point where Jolene is the one that she asks for, the the one that she wants to speak to when she first ends up at Green Dolphin Street. All I can say about Jolene's mom is that she is blonde. (laughs) That's the only feature I remember from (laughs) the anime. I think she's brunette in the manga. (laughs) Yeah, I think they, they changed it to blonde in the anime. Uh, but yeah, I think the one thing you can take away from the mothers in, in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, if you haven't watched the show, is just know that they have to put up with a lot of shit. They do. Props to the JoJo moms out there. 
All right, so let's move into the non-JoJo mothers. <laughs> it's unique for JoJo because it follows a whole lineage of people. So we're going to have, of course, now, like a ton of mothers in just one show. Um, but uh, now that I've you know, technically gone first with the JoJo listings, you can go next with your, your next mother on the best list. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with another popular anime. Uh, this is one from Attack on Titan. So major spoilers, I guess. Not... I have two Attack on Titan characters listed, one for best, one for worst. It, it, to save ourselves a lot of time and repeat, just assume all of the anime we're going to talk about is probably going to have some sort of major spoiler because these mothers tend to play very important <laughs> roles. Whether they're like prominent or not in the anime, they still tend to be associated with a, like a very important plot point of each of their respective anime. So just be ready for spoilers. Again, if you hear us talk up, talk about a, or bring up an anime that you haven't watched yet, just skip ahead to the next mother. Yeah, so going again with a, a, another popular anime, Attack on Titan, I put Carla Yeager as as a best mother. I forgot that was her name. <laughs> I just know yeah. her as, as mom. <laughs> I know because we share the same name, Carl, Carla. <laughs> I was gonna say your name is Carla. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the derivation of our name uh yeah she's really only prevalent in the very first episode of the season of of the series and there's good reason for that because she gets killed off in the very first episode of the series but like there's that there's a sacrifice point in there where she's about to be eaten by a titan which a very ironic titan yes and i'll talk about that later uh but she has Aaron and Mikasa go off without her so that they can continue to live their lives while like she gets gloriously turned into dinner. Um, so get yeah, that sacrificial part of, of a mother's love. And I think like <laughs> we get flashbacks of her at, at certain points throughout the series. And there was one where she was talking about how special she thought Aaron was just because he was born into this world. And, and that's kind of what, drives Aaron's motivation to to do the things that he's currently doing in the final season uh and I want to say like he's she's probably the only person who believes in Aaron at this point because there's very few characters who do uh but you know just her showing that much care for for her for her only son and then even just taking in Mikasa as an adoptive daughter that was something that we saw in the very first episode too so just great aspects of motherhood all around from Carla. I agree. I think, you know, all characters or the majority of characters in Attack on Titan are very complex um, and they have both good and bad points to them. I feel like Carla is one of the few characters that has almost all good points. Mm-hmm. And she clearly was very important to Aaron. She was she was and is the driving force for for him throughout, you know, him being a, con- a cadet, then moving into a scout and so on and so forth. He always thinks back to losing his mother that that is such a sticking point for him and that can only be possible if she was a good mother to him and if she if he felt the love and care from her i also think that from like a a a story perspective she sets the tone for the rest of the show because mm-hmm. when she gets eaten that sets I, I honestly think that sets the tone for the rest of the entire show because you don't really know what you're getting into in episode one of Attack on Titan. And then when you see her get eaten right in front of Aaron, you're like, oh, shit, it's this kind of show. Yeah. It's like that point is you see innocence lost because as you mentioned, like she is 
probably the purest character in all of Attack on Titan. And that's another thing that I I think about with Carla is she is very much removed from the politics of the world of Titans and humans, right? You had, uh, what was her name? Oh, uh, Diana Fritz. Uh, yeah. Who was very heavily involved with, with Grisha in the whole Eldian restorationist movement. But with Carla, we only see her just fulfilling one role, and that is as a mother. And that's absent of, we don't know like her what her ideologies are in terms of, I don't even know if Grisha told her the, the truth about the world. But she's only there just to serve as, as a great mother to Eren and, by extension, to Mikasa. And I think that's kind of what resonates with Eren as he's going through his journey in the series is just knowing the, the purity and innocence of somebody who was taken away by, by a cruel world and what he can do to kind of right those wrongs. So it's it's nice that Carla is used as this focal point to your, what you're saying is like in setting the tone for the rest of the show. She is a very, very good mom. I, I think she, she deserves her spot on the best moms list. But then we have, uh, from my list, and this is very timely, uh, we have Hannah from Wolf Children. Wow, I had her too. <laughs> and very I say, timely. I say it's timely because um, we just did a review here on Strictly Anime. It's episode 85 where we talked all about wolf children. So we this is fresh for us. We just watched the movie fairly recently. And I have to say, she's a great mom. I mean, just through and through a great mom. She is um, a single mom who was thrust into the world of motherhood and being a single mom, caring for two extremely unique children with no resources or family members to rely on or that she could go to for answers. She did it all on her own. Granted, she gets some help when she moves them to the countryside and starts to bond with some of the villagers. But even before that, I mean, she did everything on her own and still did a significant amount on her own, um, even when they started to live in the countryside. Yeah, I want to say Hana is probably the best example of a mother on on my list um, for the same points that you mentioned. Like she is pretty much just thrown into a situation that is just, <laughs> I guess you could call it like just pure shit. And it it takes a very strong person to know how to overcome that and and overcome all of the odds of the situation even with having such unique children and she does it with like a smile on her face i think she says that at the beginning of the movie is that she always tries to find the positive things in life and there are certain points where she is on the verge of breaking down but she has that strong will to <laughs> I'm thinking of Attack on Titan phrases. Continue moving forward. Oh, I thought you were going to say she has the strong will to tatakai. Ta <laughs> yeah, ta or uh, susume. <laughs> to susume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she's a wonderful mother to um, Ame and Yuki. And I think they're able, the, the children are able to do what they do in this movie because she gives them the ability to do so through her motherly care and love and i mean really her blood sweat and tears to give them the best life possible yeah so the next mother the next best mother i have is one from my hero academia and that is i didn't even know this was her first name 
It's Midoriya's mother, Inko Midoriya. I thought you were going to say Bakugo's mom. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I mean, I... <laughs> she puts up with a lot, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think I appreciate Midoriya's mom a little, maybe a lot more than Bakugo's because she wants the best for her son despite the shortcomings of him not having a quirk um, in the first uh, couple episodes of the first season. But as as she learns that he inherits uh, All Might's uh, one for all quirk, she she doesn't she's not as discouraged that her son's gonna be like a nobody. But uh, like in either situation, she still shows her support for Midoriya many times throughout the show. Like we'll get cutaways f- to her watching the sports festival uh, or like the the tournament arc and. Um, I think she had handmade his very first hero suit. Oh, that's right. She did. Yeah. So obviously she cares very much about her son. I think the only downside is that she passed down the the Midoriya trait of just crying all the time. Yeah, she cries a lot. But it's cute (laughs) because she's crying out of concern for her son. I, I can only imagine how difficult it is to watch news reports of your son fighting villains even as a student not mm-hmm. knowing if he's going to make it back alive like that's that's got to be a lot so i appreciate her very realistic reaction to seeing that then next on my list which i i'm wondering if this is on your list as well i would hope so i have queen healing from uh, ranking I of kings figured you would. <laughs> another very timely one because we've just wrapped up our part two review of ranking of kings if you're interested in hearing that part one review of ranking of kings is episode 68 of strictly anime and part two is episode 82 um and you'll hear us gush a lot about her throughout both of those uh both of those parts but she is fucking amazing i honestly think of all of the anime moms i've ever seen she's got to be one of the best if not the best i've never felt so strongly for an anime mom before until i came across queen healing she not only cares very deeply for her biological son, Didus, but cares equally for her adopted son. Dida or Didus? Oh, did I say Didus? Oh, I typoed <laughs> on my notes. Dida. Uh, but she cares equally for, for Boji. And that's the important part here. She didn't hesitate to accept him as her son when she married King Boss. Um, she learned sign language to understand him better and to connect with him more. She risked her life for Boji and for Dida. Like, she... she through and through is a wonderful mother and i think she also imparts very valuable lessons to both of her sons throughout the show especially towards the end versus just being you know not that there's anything wrong with it but the the mother who's there to care and love she does that on top of still putting her foot down and being very realistic with both of her sons about what it means to rule a kingdom what it means to be a leader and what to prepare for so i very much appreciate her balance of you know loving motherly care along with just realistic life lessons yeah i had another character on my list from ranking of kings so i'll probably go into that after this but healing she is one of the most unexpected characters out of that show i think a lot of us were led to believe that she would be kind of like the the, the evil godmother in cinderella yeah or we always made comparisons to Game of Thrones that she would end up being the sort of like a Cersei Lannister uh, in, in, in Ranking of Kings, but that was thrown out the window. And I think just the thing that resonated with me the most with healing is, as you mentioned, how 
she shows care not just for her biological son, but for Boji as her adopted son. And that's a really, I want like a really special trait of a mother is just showing care not f- just for your own blood, but for for someone who isn't necessarily related to you. Yeah, I think one of the most heartwarming scenes in all of Ranking of Kings when it comes to Queen Healing is the like the the montage of her trying to befriend Bulgy when she first came to the castle. Mm-hmm. Him running away, him being very shy, him with those big big fat cheeks, just like so fucking cute. But she she was persistent. She wanted to bond with, you know, this this boy who she would eventually call her own son and, you know, it, it worked out well, I'd say. And then you have the the second OP of Ranking of Kings where she's cradling Boji in her arms. Oh my God, and crying. That was yeah. beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> Just a perfect, perfect image of motherhood there. But as I mentioned, I have uh, another character on my list from Ranking of Kings that I also put as best mother. I don't think she has a name, but her I put a Kage's mother. Oh shit! I forgot. I to me like there's no other mothers in in Ranking <laughs> well, yeah. of Kings because there's... Queen Healing is so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then there's a uh, Bulgy's biological mother. Oh yeah, she's which, really good too. Yeah, she, she's not on my list, but she also deserves a spot. But with Kage's mother, I think it's almost similar to Carla from Attack on Titan, where she has the the sacrificial love for Kage because I think the second episode of the series focuses like on Kage's backstory and we just see how close he is with his mother uh up until the point where she gets like merciless mercilessly slaughtered that was that was rough yeah and I think I mentioned this in our our first reviews like you don't think you'd feel so much emotion for like a black blob until you watch (laughs) Ranking of Kings and you watch this episode and like just thinking about it gives me goosebumps because you see Kage's reaction to seeing his mother's torn body and he's holding on to this this one toy that serves as like a, a sort of uh, memento of her just like a little pony like a, a horse or giraffe thing and I don't know like that puts me in the feels but it's a giraffe yeah <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I love about Kage's mother is like they're part of the shadow clan and they're notorious for being the assassins of this world. But despite that, she still imbues virtuous morals in Kage, which he kind of carries into his role as being uh, Boji's basically cheerleader in the series. Uh, I think she says something along the lines of like, spinning the clan's work in a way where it's not just something that's that seems lethal and contributes to the deadly reputation but she says we do whatever we can to serve the interests of the people who need us so i guess it's sort of like a a less lethal way to describe their activities but it's it's the sugar-coated way for a child to easily digest but then that's something that kage takes to heart knowing like how much his his mother looks at these things in a different light, in a more positive light. And like I said, that's what drives him to be the number two to Boji in, in the series. And yeah, special shout out, as we mentioned before, to Boji's biological mother, because whew, that woman went through a lot, that's for sure. 
Oh, yeah. A lot of arrows. <laughs> Sharp things. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, do you want to go again? Do you want me to go? Because I, I mean, that's kind of coupled with, with my, my queen healing entry of the best mother's oh, yeah. list. I, I only had one other one other mother. Oh, well, then let me go because I have several more. But I, I will, for some of these, I, I might just kind of brush over them only because I, I don't want to spoil it too much for you. Even though you claim you're going to forget, you might still remember. Um, I don't so, even remember what I had for dinner yesterday. <laughs> so I'm going to say next up on my list. Uh, can I do like a double one? Because I'm going to breeze through this one really fast. Sure. Okay. Next up on my list is kind of like a, a, a duet here. It's Nagisa and Sanai Furukawa from Kalanad. I don't even want to, because I don't know if there's people listening who have never watched Clannad. I'm not even going to say why for 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 these two, because it's just going to spoil one of the most important things in the show. So if you've seen Clannad, you probably know why I'm choosing Nagisa and Sanai Furukawa. I like how he said, we're going to go into full spoilers. I, but I then, can. yeah, Clannad is, is one of the shows where... This is like the one, and I, I think other anime fans will understand why I simply cannot speak about this one because to spoil this experience for somebody i think would be not a crime but like it's it's really sad if you get spoiled without experiencing clonad you know in its purest way so it's like if you know you know if you know you know so yes that's why i want to do a double here so then i'll move on to another one on my list it's kyoko honda from fruits basket who was a single mother that raised toru she was a very loving mother she did away with her delinquent ways to be the best mother possible to toru clearly that their bond um, is something that toru holds on to throughout the entire show and she's a driving force for her the entire show. And yeah, just a fantastic mother who even has a connection to Kyo, you know, that we find out later down the road. So I think that Kyoko is a, a fantastic mother and I cannot wait to watch the prequel movie and learn more about her. So someone who realizes the arrow their ways and seeks to change. Not even that. That's a good, based on what I explained, that that's a good... Um, like interpretation but with Kyoko it's kind of hard to explain because she was a delinquent met Toru's dad they fell in love but I think she still has some of her delinquent ways in her and she's still mm. known for being a delinquent in a good way like some people look up to her because she's very tough um but she she just grows up I'd say when she re when she has to raise Toru on her own she just grows up but still uses some of those delinquent tendencies to instill some important lessons for Toru on how to be a strong person. Mm, okay. So yeah, very, very, very good mother. Definitely need to put her on the list. And I already forgot the names of these mothers you mentioned. So That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just know Clannad, Fruits Basket. There you, go. <laughs> there you go. So the last best mother I had on my list, this is kind of a unique character to think of as a mother. It's actually from an anime we watched last year, To Your Eternity. Oh. And I'm talking about March. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yes, I agree. That That's a great one. Yeah. And I, like, this is one also with, like, To Your Eternity, I think people should watch kind of going in blindly. But, like, March is one of the characters that the main character, Fushi, meets in his, his, his sort of, quote-unquote religious journey um she's not of a motherly age like she's very young uh, but she's she, a kid basically yeah 
but she not basically she is literally no a yeah she is she is physically a child <laughs> hang on the, l- listen uh, listen yes. to the cause explanation yes. for anyone who's like wondering what the fuck are they talking no, about yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. worry it's not bad there was no like weird situation where she just suddenly became a mother but it's more <laughs> oh, god <laughs> oh, yeah, i feel like fbi's in just the chat now let us explain let us explain <laughs> so like march she is being used as an offering for this the this bear deity um, for her village um, as like a, a sacrificial offering, so she doesn't she won't be given the chance to become a mother, like grow up and become a mother and raise a family. But Fushi comes along uh, in their village and she starts to use like because she she has like the the dolls that she pretends are her children and so she plays with them and pretends like she's their mother she transfers those motherly instincts over to fushi and you know fushi spoiler alert he he grew out of being like an orb so he's new to this whole human thing and i think march is the first instance of him learning about someone else's love and care for another human I'm pretty sure March was the first person who taught Fushi how to to speak, like or just to, how to use verbal language, and was a very formative part of his life until her unfortunate demise. So even though she's like three or four years old, like she March definitely exhibits and possesses the traits of of a mother from the get go. Uh, and helps Fushi in his journey to understand the world and understand like love and and humanity. I agree. March, I think, I think because of March, Fushi has one of his first major bits of character development. And I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Her her dream and the reason that she didn't want to be uh, sacrificed one of the reasons rather because you know she has a family that she wants to get back to but one of the big reasons she didn't want to be sacrificed because she wanted to grow up to become a mother that was Mm -hmm. her dream was to become a mother and that's why she nurtured fushi and and had motherly tendencies toward him that's why she treated her stuffed animals like they were her own children because she just wanted to be a mother and i thought that was so wholesome and and so cute yeah so it's the purest form of love that's why march is best mother <laughs> <laughs> so now that you've heard the explanation hopefully you understand why she's on the best mother's list despite being a child just trust us on that one okay <laughs> yes <laughs> i don't want to be put on like a, a list somewhere <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then uh next up on my list is miyako ishida from a silent voice you're giving oh, me that is, look uh, Ishida's mom from <laughs> a silent voice she does the male lead yes okay nishimia yeah. is is the female lead Yes. Yeah. So Ishida's mom is on my list because she also had to go through a lot. She was another single mother um, who had to raise quite a rambunctious son. Um, Her son was a bully. He battled depression and even tried to kill himself. Um, He accidentally burned all that money that he was going to use to pay her back with. Um, She had to go apologize for his bullying and even had her earring torn out of her ear by Nishimiya's mom. You remember that? Uh, kind of, I do. With the whole yeah. like hearing aid incident, yeah, she found out that it was it was Ishida, her son, and so she had to go apologize in person to Nishimiya's mom, and she came back with her earring torn out of her ear, with a mm. smile on her face, saying, "You're gonna be a good boy from now." On. Wow. <laughs> so she she definitely struggled to provide, um, but she didn't let that stop her 
or she didn't let that yeah stop her from from steering Ishida in the right direction throughout the whole movie. And I think she was very supportive of her son. Obviously cared deeply for him and was in an absolute panic when he was in the hospital. And I think all around, like she she did the absolute best that she could with the situation she was given. And I think she did the right thing. Yeah, it's sort of like Hana in that respect with Ishida's mother having to endure. Like I can't even imagine the pain of seeing your child uh, trying to commit suicide, but still having the will to to go on and, and, and show him that there's still more to life and still a lot to cherish if you if you find like the forgiveness in yourself to, to go on. Uh, so yeah, major props to what, what was her name? Uh, Miyako. Miyako for, for keeping a, a strong head on her. Trust me. I only know most of these names because I looked them up. <laughs> um, so I have a few more. I'll go through these and uh, you haven't seen any of these, uh, these anime. So sorry if I spoil a little bit for you. (laughs) So next up I have Yasuko Takasu from Toradora, which is one of my all-time favorite anime. Um, This is Ryuji's mother, another single mother who was just incredibly caring toward not only Ryuji, but also Taiga. I think what stands out the most about Yasuko is that she recognizes the mistakes she made in her life and prioritizes her son and his success in school and even works super long hours to save up money to send him to college so that he essentially doesn't end up in the same position that she's in. She wants more for her son. And I think that's a very selfless quality that she has. She is still very, you know, airheaded. She's very aloof. Um, she has some immature tendencies, but she's always positive and always trying to cheer her son up. And again, I love that she accepts Tyga right away as part of their family and essentially be is the mother that taiga has always been looking for this is ryuji's mother yes okay this is ryuji's mom yeah you should watch toradora it's great maybe (laughs) then i have um i have liza from made in abyss uh she we don't know much about her at this point in the anime but we do know that she risked everything to bring rico back to the surface um essentially she was on one of her dives down to the abyss when she found out that she was pregnant with rico and for those who have watched the anime you know how incredibly taxing it is on any human being especially um you know children uh to make your way back to the surface because when you hit different levels of the abyss as you're going back up or down really if you ascend or descend too quickly you could start you know you could start having mad headaches certain and then as you go lower into the abyss you could start bleeding out from every orifice in your body and if you go even further into the abyss your body starts changing like it is very very intense so again she risked everything to bring her daughter back up to the surface so that's um that's pretty selfless of her so there is an abyss yeah made an abyss is about an abyss you need to watch okay this is one that i i'm going to make you watch if you don't watch it. it is it is fantastic. Made in Abyss is really good, and I think the new season is coming out at some point. So you've got time to watch. Um, luckily, it's not too much of a spoiler because, again, we don't know much about Liza at this point. But you can already tell that she is a, a loving mother. Um, and, yeah, I you need to watch it. Watch Made in Abyss. Maybe. <laughs> Do it. It's good. <laughs> Another one that you should watch, which is also the last one on my list, is Mushoku Tensei. And that's mm. Zenith Grey Rat. Mm from Mushoku Tensei. I, I'm like hesitant to go too big into this because I, I do think, 
I know you're not super into isekai, but I do think you should watch this one. Um, so I'll try to be gentle about these spoilers. But we all know she is a great mom to Rudius. She is just a, a, a very wholesome, loving, caring mother who we get to watch raise her son throughout the show. And, you know, despite what happens with Paul, um, she doesn't leave him, nor does she, t- you know, do anything to Lilia. So, like, it's uh, given the situation that, that she's in, I think she handles it with the most professionalism and level-headedness <laughs> <laughs> level-headedness um, possible because she cares more about family and, and keeping people safe and, and caring for others than for the situation that has been thrust upon her. So she is a, a really great mother. Um, and based on where we're at in the anime, I, I want to see more of her. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to say any more. I'm, I'm hesitant. I know we talked about spoilers, but this is different when I'm spoiling it for you. Cause I want you to watch this show. Yeah. I think I talked about in our spring anime impressions, graduating to the level of Mushoku Tensei. Cause I finished realist hero planning to watch shield hero at some point and then mushoku tensei i would say like i said in that that episode i haven't watched a lot of isekai but of the ones i have watched if there was one i would pick for you to watch it would be mushoku tensei yeah so working up to that level (laughs) if anyone listening thinks or agrees that carl should watch made in abyss and should watch mushoku tensei let us know tell us in the discord harass him in the discord tell him to watch them (laughs) maybe (laughs) <laughs> that's my answer <laughs> what's that spongebob gif you've been using lately nah oh, i don't nah, really feel really like <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna use that on every response yeah for anyone who tries to get him to watch those too be ready for that gif <laughs> <laughs> I-, I watch things on my own time <laughs> moving on to the worst mothers in anime you go first. I want to hear what's first on your list. I wonder if we're going to have some <laughs> some overlap here because there's some there's some hot takes with some of these moms. Um. Okay. I mentioned this earlier. There's one other character from Attack on Titan that I put on my worst mother list, and it's the person or the Titan who ended up eating Carla Yeager and starting this whole thing with Aaron. Dino Fritz. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Why? Why Dino? Why is she a, a bad mom? Because she is more into brainwashing more so than nurturing with <laughs> Zeke Yeager. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're right. Those flashbacks mm-hmm. of Zeke. Yeah. yeah. He, obviously, that traumatized him as as a child and led him to make the decision of ratting out his parents. Oh, yeah. Ooh. So, yeah, she was less <laughs> of a motherly character to Zeke. And I think, like... Spoiler alert for the final season, as Zeke is traveling through the memories of Aaron, he's seeing how much Grisha and I guess to an extent Carla were, were treating Aaron as a, as a child in comparison to how he was raised by Grisha and Carla, where he was kind of viewed as... Wait, Grisha and Dina, you mean? Oh, yeah, sorry. Grisha and, and <laughs> Dina, Dina. Uh, what, yeah, I don't know how to say it. I, I, I always off. say like the, that, that like nursery rhyme, like, Dina, won't you blow your... Horn. <laughs> what is what? that? that... <laughs> Wait, what? The Dina, Dina. Oh. Is that the song? I don't. It sounds familiar, but I don't. Someone's fucking... in the kitchen with Dina. That's oh. it. Oh, I don't know. I switch okay. off between Dina and Dina. I don't okay. know. Okay, well, whatever. But either way, she's a terrible mother. That's what <laughs> I was going to get. Like, again, Zeke sees the comparison of how Dina raised or Dina and Grisha raised him to how Carla and Grisha raised him. And there's a stark difference. 
um, and that they wanted him to be like the the poster boy for their movement. And Aaron kind of is the poster boy for Grisha's 2.0 movement, but it was more of a natural transition. Zeke just had to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. I completely forgot about all of Zeke's flashbacks. But yeah, you're absolutely right. She 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 was kind of a shitty mom. <laughs> and then she turned into a titan and ate Carla. Yeah, the irony there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first up on my worst list, my worst mother's list is maybe a lesser known mother, but it's Sayu's mom from Higehiro. I don't think she has a name or they they didn't actually name her. So I'm going to go with Sayu's mom. Um, for anyone who watched Higehiro, you know that she's pretty much the catalyst for Sayu running away she resented sayu for being born basically claiming that it was her fault that her her husband left her saying you know my husband wouldn't have left me if you were never born in the first place but you're the one who got pregnant you dumbass so i don't know how that works um she even went so far as to blame sayu for her friend's suicide and drove her to again run away so she is you know we we learn later halfway through the show she is the catalyst she was the driving force for sayu to make that fateful decision to leave home and live on her own for months and months and months and yeah she she's a bitch i mean the the cherry on top is when they actually go back to sayu's house and they witness firsthand how terrible sayu's mom is to her you just watch her that whole episode berate her daughter and it's just it's awful it's it's tough to watch so yeah she's a bitch higa heroes the one or it's like I shaved and took the the girl in. Yeah, Higehiro, okay. after being rejected, I shaved and took in a high school runaway. Okay, I, I've always Which, spoilers, it doesn't happen in that order. He takes in the high school <laughs> runaway and then he shaves, okay? I, I've <laughs> always gotten that in Koi Kimo confused. Oh, Koi Kimo. Of, I think they came out right around the same time, yeah. the same year. Maybe the same season, I can't remember. Um, but those are both very good. But yeah, Higehiro's great. I've gushed before about Yoshida and how he's one of the best characters of 2021. And a lot of that is, it has to do with how he handles Sayu's mom. And highlighting how much she's a bitch. Yeah, bitch. She's <laughs> a bitch. <laughs> uh, so next, I have the mother from Hunter Hunter. And oh. <laughs> I just realized she shares the same first name as a character from Inuyasha. Oh? And that's Kikyo Zoldik. Her name is Kikyo? Yeah, I <laughs> Wait, <looked it> really? <laughs> up. I looked this up on the Hunter Hunter wiki. Do they yeah. do they ever say her name in the anime? They probably have, and it probably went over our heads, but it's oh K-I-K-Y-O. Is that how you That's spell it? That's Kikyo. Oh, oh my well, god, the, fucking Kikyo. This is the, the, the evil Kikyo variant, I guess. Well, I mean, Kikyo's kind of <laughs> evil sometimes. You know, I'm not going to go into that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Mrs. Zoldik clearly has this is old dick. <laughs> she, she has more of the assassin instinct prevailing over her motherly instinct especially when it comes to raising Kilua and even like who tortures their own children remember he came back from the the hunter exam he came back home and, and then, she punished him yeah, for leaving uh and she pretty like by that same vein she denied Kilua from having a, a regular life as a young boy with friends and hobbies until Gon came in to save him and I think she was even there to prevent that with her her cyclops eyes yeah she's psychotic and very over possessive of Kilua like I feel like she she's extremely controlling and just wants him to become the best assassin possible even if it means his ultimate unhappiness 
And then the whole thing with uh, Aluka and Nanika, like we find out that they've been putting this child in solitary confinement because they're unsure of Aluka's powers. Like, who does that? Like, who does that to their own kids? Yeah. Instead of trying to figure out how to help her, they right. just lock her away forever. Yeah, and so it's kind of like uh, Kiki, Kiki, Mrs. Kikyo. Zold, Mrs. Zoldik. Is, okay, yeah, fine, that makes sense. If you keep saying Kikyo, I, I would be very confused. Yeah, Mrs. Zoldik does not see her children as children; just rather more assassins at their disposal yeah their tools at their disposal and if anyone's interested in hearing our review of hunter hunter this also is a recent episode it was episode 83 of strictly anime where we had jd and earthworm on from anime brothers podcast so that was a good discussion we didn't talk i don't think at all about kikyo's old so it's good that you're bringing her up now (laughs) again you you wish you could say less about these mothers so that's all i'll say about no 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 we're gonna (laughs) say more (laughs) so i'll go into my next shitty mother um and this one's actually uh, it's it's another jojo mom it's the only mother that i left off of the jojo list so if you're a diehard jojo fan you were listening to us earlier, probably thinking, um, hello, where's Jorno's mom? She made it on the worst mother's oh. list, okay? We didn't forget her, but she's a shitty mom. She she doesn't have a name, first of all, I don't think. She's just listed she as Jorno's mom. She doesn't deserve a name. I know. Um, she obviously banged Dio at some point and lived to tell about it. She was known for leaving Jorno when he was a baby or an infant to basically go party and live her life because she never wanted to have Jorno in the first place. So, yeah, that was pretty awful of her. Yeah, so she basically just neglected Jorno. 100%. And, and he still came out a good, somewhat good kid. So yeah, good I mean, Giorno. he's still Dio's son, so yeah. you know, he's going to have tendencies, right? But, yeah, I think he, he did well for himself, you know, because he was adopted by Mama Bruno. Bruno Bacerati oh, is really best right. mom. The, the real mom of yeah. part five. <laughs> and granted, I don't know if she was aware of all this. I don't think it's clear in the show, but she did marry some dude who ended up abusing Jorno when she wasn't around. So, you know, again, she might not have known that was happening, but she obviously does not have good taste in men when she's got Dio and then this guy in her life. Oh, yeah. Uh, my, <laughs> my next uh, worst mother, they're actually two because they're from the same show. And they're not, like, terrible mothers. I think it's more so that I feel like they're really airheaded. Is the, <laughs> the, the mothers in Marmalade Boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I I've tried to explain the premise of Marmalade Boy in the past. Uh, so it's it's these parents who end up switching spouses because they find out they're in love with the other spouse. It sounds like swingers. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> it's swingers the anime. But like with that, their their family moves in together into one house, and they each have one child one male one female and those two start developing romantic feelings for each other uh, and so that's the premise of this show but i again they're not t- the worst mothers out there but just putting your children into such an awkward situation like what kind of family just decides on the fly to switch spouses swingers <laughs> i mean yeah, i know they're not swingers, i don't think they like, show they're 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 portrayed as swingers but that just reminds me of what i've heard about swingers <laughs> yeah and i think this is a, a one case where it's like really it is absent parenting in anime because they're always off with the husbands doing their own thing and just being really oblivious to the emotions that 
that you and Mickey, the 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 two main characters of Marmalade Boy, oh like God, what they you have meant to. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> no, I don't know any of these characters' names. That that took me off. Okay, the, so yeah, uh, yeah. Use the male lead, and Mickey is the female lead. Okay. And so yeah, they have this really strange family situation. They don't know how to explain it to their classmates or their friends. And you know the the mothers and the 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 fathers are just off partying and enjoying life as newly swinged couples or whatever. Sounds like Jorno's mom. Yeah, but <laughs> so, maybe with more love. <laughs> so yeah, I think they should just have read the room a little bit better when they made the decision. So, well, that that's um. That's interesting. I only know <laughs> the the bits and pieces of Marmalade Boy that you've shared with me and that I've I've seen you watching. It's it's a very interesting show. It is. <laughs> well, from from one drama anime to another, um, this one goes out to almost all the mothers in Fruits Basket, with the exception of Toru's mom. I I can't even I, I can pin you know probably Ren Soma as the worst of the worst, but honestly. Almost all of the Soma mothers are fucking garbage in that show. And that's why their children are just going through the most insane drama I have ever seen in a slice of life anime because they have just run them through through the dirt. All of the mothers are shitty. It's actually a plot point that the mothers who give birth to the Zodiac children can't handle the fact that their children are quote unquote monsters or have these unique abilities and they essentially go crazy. I think there's one mother that isn't like that i can't remember what the the chick's name is it's if you've seen the show you know it's it's one of the mothers out there um on the soma side of the family that i think ultimately is is not subjected to you know going crazy after giving birth but the vast majority of them are ren again is the worst of the worst um she forces her child to do things that they don't want to do she resents their child for being born because she just wanted to be with her husband um and again i'm like well you're the one that got pregnant i don't understand how that works and yeah she's just a maniacal bitch yeah, this sounds like a like a Filipino teleserie it, or a, like it a Spanish is. I mean, telenovela. That's kind of the vibes. All it's, these mothers that are just awful. I, I'm hesitant <laughs> to call it like a soap opera, like the soap opera of anime, but it's it kind of is. It has that soap opera feel to it. But it's, are there it's any a, like people like, slap each other? Oh yeah, people slap each other so much <laughs> well, in the show. Yeah, that's the they slap each other all the time. <laughs> that's the standard in like a teleserie or soap opera. It's crazy, opera. but no, I, I I love Fruits Basket. I think it's a phenomenal show. The emotions I experienced in Fruits Basket, I think, go unmatched when I watch anything else. So I highly recommend it. But yes, just be ready for the drama. I think of all of the slice of life anime I have ever watched, this one is by far the most dramatic. And all those mothers kind of play a part in that, let me tell you. So I only have one more on my list. And this was kind of reaching. Because as you mentioned before, it's hard to find a lot of these mother characters in anime. Because they usually don't exist right. anyway. <laughs> this one exists, though. And so I'm just going to come out and say it. Ash's mom from Pokemon. Oh, my <laughs> God. You put her as a worst mom? Okay. Well, okay. okay explain. Okay. Explain. Well, I know this is the premise of becoming a Pokemon trainer. It's like when you reach age 10, you can go out into the world and do your thing. But just think about it like objectively, a mother getting rid of her 10-year-old son to go on the hunt for dangerous wild animals. I mean, we all know the real reason. I'm going to say <laughs> no, it. No, that's the other thing. I'm going to say, say it. Say it. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> I think the real reason is so that she could have some time along with Mr. Mime. Professor Oak. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the good ending. The bad ending is Mr. Mime. <laughs> uh, and I, 
I don't really remember much from the show. I don't even know if she checks in with Ash regularly. She does. In the okay. first season, the original season, she does. She checks in with him pretty regularly, but she always asks if he has an extra pair of underwear. I just That's like what I remember okay, what about, about her. the rest of your son's well-being? I know. She does ask, but the one thing that sticks with me being a kid watching you know, Pokemon back in the day is that she always asks about his underwear. And I, I am one who just loves toilet humor, so I found that funny. I don't think it was supposed to be super hilarious, but it was really hilarious to me because she was talking about underwear yeah i mean like she, she does <laughs> i guess in that sense she does care about ash she cares but... about his hygiene there you okay. go that's something sure <laughs> but she's more empty nester kind of mentality after he leaves the house like does she check on Check on him after he goes through the Johto League and then Kanto Habanero, all the all the Habanero. different all the different regions. I don't know. I stopped watching. <laughs> I fell off when a lot of people fell off after. I don't remember the the third region. What was the third region? After Misty I left, I think that's when I started to fall off. But I think a lot of people watched up until the the point I did. I mean, I stopped after Pokemon the movie two thousand. What? We got to watch more Pokemon then. That was the one with Lugia, right? Yeah. I don't want to watch all of Pokemon. That's too much for me. But I, I feel like things were, were really good um, even after Misty left because Brock was still around. I think things were decently good. I don't remember. I, I haven't really committed a lot of Pokemon to my memory. But next up on my list, uh, who do I want to pick? Who do I want to pick? Um, yeah, end on, end on a good one. Ooh, ooh. What do I pick? Um, okay. Let's go with Marianne V. Britannia from Code Geass. Lelouch's mom. Lelouch and Nunnally's mom. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling that one out of the depths of your memory. So if you can recall, uh, Lelouch's mom died. And part of his driving force throughout Code Geass is to avenge her death by getting revenge against his dad, the king, um, who he assumes killed her. Well, what he learns at the end of the show is that his mother fucking used him and Nunnally, for her and her husband's benefit with no remorse and no hesitation. And Lelouch was absolutely destroyed when he learned the truth after, again, fighting so long to avenge her her death. And yeah, she just fucking sucks. She was such a cold-hearted bitch in that one of those final episodes where that was revealed. And I don't blame Lelouch for just imploding upon learning that. Especially because we viewed her as very loving mother and caring person that's all from lelouch's perspective right and then that that bomb drops on us and yeah you realize she's really a bitch yeah and I, to add to that that's a <laughs> she, very good she actually has an entry in the villains wiki does that's she how, really yeah. <laughs> that's good. why i'm looking up her info right now <laughs> but to, to add to that because you bring up a really good point not only did lelouch view her as a loving caring mother because that's what he knew at the time other people comment to Lelouch about how sad it is that she was murdered and how they were so loyal to her I think even um what's his fucking name Jeremiah Orange Orange I think Jeremiah even says you know he he wishes he could still serve her and he wishes he could have protected her better people speak so highly of her and then Lelouch finds out that she's a fucking bitch at the end (laughs) she who doesn't even care about him like it's just awful yeah, I forgot all about Lelouch's mother, and I guess for good reason. I just want to read some of the, the stats that this villain's wiki the has. stats. <laughs> on Marianne v. Britannia. Goals, create a new world, failed. Crimes, attempted murder, treason, conspiracy. Type of villain, manipulative empress. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> all accurate. 
Yeah, that's great. Add fucking terrible mother to that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and even the, 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 it shows a picture of her and it's just titled Evildoer. <laughs> Evildoer? Oh my God. <laughs> so funny. Well, my last one on the worst mothers list, I think um, will strike a chord with you because this show, man, this fucking show, it's Isabella, a.k.a. Mama from Promised Neverland. Oh, hell. Hell, yeah, okay. No. I, I had to bring it up. <laughs> um, some might argue that Isabella is actually a good mother based on how season two ended. But we don't talk about season two. Exactly. But first of all, <laughs> I don't acknowledge that season two even exists after the train wreck of an ending that it had. And second of all, her redemption arc does not excuse her years of sacrificing orphaned children to a system that she knows intimately and was a victim of. Mm -hmm. I cannot... I cannot call her a good mom at the end of the day. I'm sorry. She willingly let those children be sacrificed for her own survival, even though she knows how shitty that that whole system was and how like messed up all of it was. She could have helped save those kids a long time ago. Yeah, if I remember correctly, you said she was well, she's obviously aware of the systems. I think she when she was younger, she had also tried to escape the farm or whatever, right? She did. And then she realized, like, oh, there, there, there was no way, and so she decides there to stay. There was no way. She decides <laughs> to stay within the system and continue to contribute to it. Uh, basically, say, you know what? Uh, if you can't beat them, join them. But then Emma, Ray, and Norm had the idea. Norman. Norman. Sure. <laughs> Norm. Well, I said Didus earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I, I combined Dida and Domus. <laughs> yeah, but the <laughs> Emma, Ray, and Norman. They take up on the test. They take up the challenge and they prove her wrong. Like, you can beat the system. And I think she, like, at the end of season one, she secretly roots for the trio. And so... But that's only after they actually get away from her. Yeah, right. She, she knew she was beat at that point. Yeah. And it's like, you could have done this too. You just didn't want to. I think what's hard for me to accept her redemption arc at the end of season two is that yeah, she was pretty, like, her hand was forced, right, with the bomb being implanted on her heart or in her mm -hmm. chest. Like, mm -hmm. if she did anything she wasn't supposed to, you know, she goes boom. But she never showed any bit of remorse to whenever she was doing the things that she was doing. She even went so far as to break Emma's leg or arm when she was trying to escape. Yeah. Just to manipulate her and keep her there. And, like, the way she manipulated Ray and, like, tried to make deals with him to keep him, you know, under tabs and stuff, which I think they hinted maybe he was her son, possibly, um, like, biological son. Either way, it was, it was fucked up. Like, she didn't show any remorse until the end of season one and then at the end of season two. So it's like, I... To me, none of that is enough to justify her actions or excuse her actions. So, yeah, she was a, a terrible, a terrible mother. And you can argue that it was an indirect sense of love for these kids, because wanting to protect them in a way from from a more terrible fate than getting fed dinner. But they still have that fate of being fed as dinner. Exactly. Like she gave them a loving home, right? But. At one at what point do the ends justify the means? You know, right? So yeah, fuck fuck Isabella. She was she was scary. She's creepy. Um, and that's that's it for my worst mothers list. But I do have one honorable mention. Oh boy! And this is not a worst honorable mention. It's actually a best honorable mention. 
And it's your forger from Spy Family. Oh, It's an honorable mention for best mothers because we're only, what, four episodes into this anime. Mm -hmm. So you can't say much about her yet. However, she is showing promise. I don't want to spoil it because this is a very... I mean, it's it's ongoing right now, so I don't want to spoil that for anybody. But I think as we learn more about her and see more of her in this anime, she's probably going to be um, great. I think she's going to be great. Unless something crazy happens, I I could see her on a future best mothers list. Yeah. I guess just to kind of keep it as high level as possible, like I guess motherhood isn't one of yours fortes, but you can see with her relationship with Anya that she's starting to see or like to just kind of possess the qualities that make a great mother and so I'm very excited to see how her role as mother in the spy family continues to evolve in this ongoing show or in the spy x family <laughs> there's oh, like this right. big debate right now about whether or not people are supposed to pronounce the x in spy family yeah, is it like hunter hunter rules or I don't know, whatever the opposite. I don't know. The is. way I figure it out and the way I learned about Hunter Hunter not having the X pronounces, I just watched somebody from the team who created Hunter Hunter in an interview and that person said Hunter Hunter. Like an actual Japanese person on the, the team said Hunter Hunter. So I'm like, okay, it's Hunter Hunter. So I'm just going to go do the same. I'm going to go look it up on YouTube. However, somebody official says Spy Family or Spy X Family, that's what I'm going to go with. Usually they say it at the end of a trailer, right? One of the voice actors announces the name of the series. Oh, shit, do they? Well, then I'll, I'll have to we'll pay have more to, attention yeah, We'll have next to look time. up the, the trailer <laughs> if they, they do mention the title. So there you go. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm trying not to use the same transition lingo that I always use, which is, there you have it. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there, are your, there are your mothers. There are anime. your mothers. Happy Mother's Day <laughs> to all of the real moms and all of the anime moms out there, except for the moms who are on the worst list because you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> What mothers did we miss? If there are any that we've missed, tell us. However, hopefully don't don't spoil anything for us. Um, just drop a name and the anime title in case we haven't seen it because I'm sure there are some other mothers on the best and worst list that we just haven't come across yet because we haven't seen their, their anime yet. Yeah, I want to hear more about the best mothers out there and the not-so-best mothers, too. <laughs> But thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, happy Mother's Day. We appreciate you guys. And that wraps up episode 86 of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. Join our Discord to continue the conversation and to let us know about those mothers. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and all of those JoJo moms. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.